Coming up on Jason and Natty, it's already week three and we've got more sit-start discussions driven by your suggestions and once again, we'll be discussing the top scoring games for this week. All this and more coming right after this. Zappi looking to Jared Stearns who makes the catch and scores. What a burst! Trey Vaughn Henderson! As advertised, touchdown Buckeyes! This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. All right, welcome in everybody. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chase and Natty podcast. I hope you guys are having a wonderful ride to your work on this Wednesday morning or Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday evening, even possibly Thursday morning, whenever you guys get around to listening to this. We got week three to preview for you guys this week. We got a ton of stuff to talk about. As always, we are going to be discussing your sit starts that you have provided for us some suggestions, some dilemmas that you guys have been racking around in your brain, and we're going to try to relate it as best we can to all of you who are listening, trying to help you guys figure out what kind of what kinds of players you're probably thinking about this week in terms of it. And as well, we'll be talking about some of the higher scoring games as I talked about in the quick recap there at the beginning. And as always, to help us out, I have my co-host, Mr. Chris Moxley, uh, the wonderful, almost co-captain, I would say, of the CFF team over at Campus Camp with me, but Chris, how are you doing tonight, sir? I'm doing well. That's not too bad, co-captain. I can work with that. Yeah. That's uh, that's better than deckhand. I, uh, poop deck swabber. Co-captain, all right. Yeah, poop deck swabber. I mean, I could be the poop deck swabber, and we could be, we could be doing real bad, but uh, no, I'm doing, I'm doing pretty good. I, we had some exciting games last week. We're finally getting out of the every FBS team plays an FCS team mold and we had some fun in the, uh, the fun we had some fun in the fun belt yes a lot of fun and in the fun uh belt. it was a great yeah it was a great time i i uh I, it felt like college football was really back watching yes. all those losses it was fun dude just loss after loss this past week and we almost had alabama go down to texas that was a really really crazy game and like the more and more i think about it the more and more like i guess you can provide your thoughts on this as well chris but like more and more i thought about the game like at first, I was kind of dunking on Holden and Burton and, like, these wide receivers just not getting open, that being the reason why the team just couldn't get it going. But, like, the more and more I thought about it, it just kind of felt like that it was never really Bama's plan to kind of air it out in that game. They were trying to slow it down, trying to run the ball. And I think when Texas's D-line was better than what they were kind of anticipating, it kind of threw them off completely in terms of their game plan. Is that what you saw, or am I just talking crazy here? No, I I think that they wanted to be a little bit more conservative. You saw them come out the first drive, but after that, they kind of went with McClellan a lot more, and they um, they were looking that way. It was interesting because Jameer Gibbs was like super involved in the first drive, um, yeah. and he was super involved for the tie the whole game. But they were definitely looking to throw a little bit more early, and then kind of abandoned that for whatever reason. Um, I thought their offensive line played really poorly, and that's kind of been the for the most part, that's kind of been the story at Alabama for the last year. Like they've had really bad 
inconsistency on that line for what you'd expect out of, out of Alabama, right? They're not like some G5 program offensive line, but they need to improve. And it was a question mark last season. It's going to be a question mark and it's going to hurt the entire offense. Young was under pressure last week and he's been under pressure all season. So you're seeing him run and have to escape more, which good for fantasy, but it's going to hurt Alabama if they don't get their stuff together. They fired their offensive or I don't know if they fired him or he got a new job. I believe he got a new job in the office uh, in the NFL. Uh, Doug Brown was their offense coordinator last year. They brought in Kentucky's offensive line coach, who was a Joe Moore Award finalist. You'd think they'd be better. Maybe they take, need a little time to uh, gel. But I didn't really like what I saw from Alabama's offense on Saturday. Yeah, and it's so strange for a program that was built on just winning at the line of scrimmage consistently. It felt like both their O-line and their D-line really kind of stepped down this past weekend in such a big game. I, I You would hope that they're definitely going to work on it. But anyway, that's yesteryear. This is the week three preview show. We got a lot to talk about kind of moving forward here when it comes to that. Uh, for, like I said, first, we'll get to these sit-start discussions first. But before we get too far into that, I got my spiel. Got to do my spiel with you guys real quick. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. Make sure if you're listening to this on podcast, make sure you follow us where that wherever that is. And if you can leave a five-star review always welcome those especially if you're listening on apple Podcasts. love reading those uh written reviews that you guys can leave there even if it's something that you just want to leave us a little constructive criticism no problem with that whatsoever i always love hearing ways to improve the show looking back at what we were doing last year compared to this year i feel like we were in a better place this year than we were last year and a lot of that has to do with the feedback i've been hearing from you guys it has been awesome we Myself and Chris are part of the CFF team. As I mentioned, Chris is kind of like my co-captain. Is us, as well as Nate Marquise and Brandon Sanders, my other two co-captains for the team. And we are providing you all guys all sorts of content. We got podcasts, we got articles, we got rankings. Uh, We had CFF ADP this offseason. We got CFF weekly rankings right now. Uh, Going out, Chris has been doing an awesome job getting those out early in the week as I... Unfortunately, I've been very busy this semester, so my rankings kind of come out later in the week and kind of average it out as the week kind of goes along. Uh, But anyway, we got those out for you guys. Absolutely check those out. Make sure you check those right before you set your lineups whenever you do because those are an awesome tool and an awesome tiebreaker for whenever you need it in terms of your sit-start discussions. Speaking of your sit-start discussions, I think we can get right into that here in just a second. But one thing I did want to bring up I meant to bring this up before I did the spiel because I wanted to ask you about this, Chris. It feels like CF, you mentioned earlier that this is no longer the period where every team's playing an FCS or a G5 team like week in and week out. Everybody's going to start playing each other a little bit more here now. This is where we really start to figure out like which defenses give up more in the pass, which defenses give up more in the run, which ones are st- tougher against the run, which ones are tougher against the pass. When you start to figure that stuff out, that to me is when CFF gets not necessarily easier, but it feels like it does become a little bit of gamemanship and trying to figure out which matchups are better week in and week out. Because right now, so early in the season, you can have a team that was really bad against the pass last year, but then all of a sudden they do pretty well in the first two weeks. And you're like, I don't know whether to believe they've actually improved or if they're just ready to fall off again because they face bad competition. What's kind of your thought process on all that? Yeah, I so I try to blend last year's data with um, this year's data. What we've seen thus far in games where I think it counts. 
And then um, I rely more on personnel early in the year than I do maybe later in the year. I think scheme matters more. But when you got a bunch of dudes maybe learning a new scheme, that's when you want to see, okay, where does the talent lie on each side of the ball? And I think that's kind of what I look for when trying to evaluate matchups. Like, I know Houston is a good example because Houston is consistent year over year. They kept Doug Belk at defensive coordinator, yep. but and they have some dudes off the defensive line. So I know what I'm getting in Houston. I don't know what I'm getting in Ohio State, for example. And I think, you know, they have dudes on that team, but how long is it going to take to learn the Jim Knoll system? That's yep. another question. And so trying to evaluate, because their defense was not great last year. You could play against them. Yeah. Can I play players against them this week and in the future? I don't know. And so that's kind of what I'm trying to evaluate. Yeah, fair enough. Again, I just want to have a quick discussion there. I wanted to throw that at the very beginning. Completely forgot. Whiffed my mind completely. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to sneak this in right before we get over to the sit-start discussion this week. We, You guys were awesome this week in getting these suggestions to us. Uh, wide receiver, very popular this week. And so I made an executive decision. Because we are missing one of our flex questions we only had one flex question this week i figured i'd throw in an extra wide receiver question because you guys have some really good ones this week so we'll definitely get into that but first we're going to hit up the quarterbacks here our first one here comes from a very long time listener of the show and does his job every single week he likes the video he leaves a comment down below he has always been subscribed as mr brett Pony. shout out to you good sir uh but he is asking us a three-way quarterback question this week start one of these three uh by the way he asked this to me in the uh, BTR Discord. So shout out to the BTR Discord for letting me post that question there and letting people respond to it. Anyway, we got Clayton Toon versus Kansas or Dylan Gabriel versus Nebraska or Will Rogers versus LSU. To me, this comes down between Dylan Gabriel and Will Rogers. This is a start your studs kind of scenario for me. Chris, where do you lean on this? Uh, yeah, this is kind of easily Will Rogers for me. Um, I don't really know what to expect out of Oklahoma this week going against Nebraska. I think they'll score a lot of points, but I don't know if the game script is going to let Gabriel throw for like four touchdowns. Um, I don't really want to start Clayton Toon this week. He hasn't really been himself quite yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like he's kind of been weirdly struggling, even though he's posting okay counting numbers. I, I'm going to a Rodgers. I, I think Will Rogers is the guy you just roll out. I mean, he's going to have 45 pass attempts. It doesn't matter if they're winning by 20 or losing by 20. He's just going to keep throwing it. That offense just does not has, – really has no desire to run the ball. So I'm I'm going to a Rodgers because I know that he will have 45 pass attempts. And he'll probably have 350 yards and four touchdowns. Like, he's the most con- one of the most consistent players in college fantasy. Yeah, I always thought Will Rogers was an absolute steal in the third, maybe even fourth round of your drafts this offseason. Because again, you knew he was going to be very consistent this year. And I'm looking at my rankings, right? Or not my rankings. I'm looking at my spreadsheet that shows their rankings week after week. And Dylan Gabriel, QB 42 week one, QB 42 week two. Will Rogers was QB 12 week one and QB 23 the second week. Those are two solid finishes for both weeks for Will Rogers. I think you keep riding that train for right now, and you keep riding with Will Rogers, especially especially if this is a six-point passing touchdown league. I don't know the rules of this yeah. league, but I figured if, just throw that out there. Yeah, I have Rogers ranked fifth, and I have Gabriel ranked 15th Okay, for, for what it's worth. And who is the other one in this? Clayton Toon, I have him ranked 31st. Yes. 
Yeah, Clayton Tune. If I remember, let me look up what his finishes have been so far. He is. Oh, he's he's right there behind Dylan Gabriel. He finishes QB sixteen in week one, but then finishes QB eighty eight last week. Very bad week for him last week. Yeah, so. it was. They went they went rushing a little bit with uh, Brandon Campbell, who was all right. Yeah, makes sense. But again, I think we're both in agreement here. Will Rogers the way to go? Let's move on to our second quarterback question, two of two. This one's interesting. It's basically two opposite players right here. Got John Rice Plumley, who is going up against Florida Atlantic this week. Or you could go with JT Daniels going up against Towson. Uh, this comes from our friend CK on Twitter, at uh, CoPeeps. I believe that's how you pronounce it, but regardless, it's at C-O-P-I-E-P-S. Regardless, uh, interesting, again, like I said, two very different type of players. You have one player who struggles at passing but can run, and you have another player who can do nothing but throw and can't really run that much. So my lean on this one is you have two guys one of them's going up against just bad competition. The other one's going up against like relatively even competition, maybe even a little bit lesser. I'm not a huge believer in FAU this year. I'm going to run with the dual threat quarterback out of these two. I'm going to run with John Rice Plumley here. If it was a worse defensive matchup for John Rice Plumley, like if I expect him to struggle a bit more, I might consider JT Daniels here. But Daniels, to me, is always just a safe play. I expect 20, 25 points out of him any given week. When you have John Rice Plumley going up against a team that he could run for 100-plus yards on, I'm going to have to lean him, John Rice Plumley. So, Moxley, where are you thinking on this one? No, I agree for basically the same logic. Um, FAU's defense has not really been all that great this year. They rank 89th in success rate against the pass, and they rank uh overall 51st against the rush which is okay but i think their passing concepts apply more to what jrp will be able to do on the ground if that if that makes sense because it will be the alignment that they choose from scrimmage and they've struggled a little bit against uh mobile quarterbacks especially in uh in the past i like jrp i'm i like he had a bad week last week but i'm not ready to move on from him quite yet yeah, like, no. I, 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 he has great fantasy upside it was just a bad game and like you're gonna get that with a guy who isn't a plus passer he's, he's a negative passer to be to be honest he's not a good <laughs> thrower of the football but that's not really why you're drafting him we don't really care about that aspect from a fantasy perspective so i'm rolling with him i still have him in my top 20 i am going to keep going to the well uh, i want 20 second sorry i'm gonna go to the generous plumbly well until it runs dry and we just can't start him anymore i think jt daniels is fine i have him ranked 46th i think that they're probably going to run the ball more than they're going to pass the ball they're going to be favored by a bunch when that line comes out uh and i think they want to get cj cj danielson their um sorry donaldson the freshman running back who's a freak athlete the ball i think they want to get tony mathis the ball so this is a good opportunity to get the run game kind of rolling for that team i'm going with john reese plumley yeah, I definitely agree. And like you said, he had a really bad week last week. That's because he just couldn't find the end zone. And that was, quite mm -hmm. frankly, like by design, like freaking two wildcat snaps from Isaiah Bowser led to two touchdowns for him last week. You have John freaking Rice Plumley, a running quarterback, and you couldn't do that with him last week? Because that, that, that felt more like just bad luck overall. Because if he had two... Touchdown. If he had yeah. two touchdowns on the ground last week, 
you're talking about him scoring, let's see, what did he score last week? Last week he scored 13 points. Another another 12 points right there. That would have been a that would have been a 25 point week. Not the greatest, but you would not be worried about this whatsoever. You would continuously be rolling out John Rice Plumley. So absolutely, yeah, no problem with John Rice Plumley here. Let's move on to our running backs here. We're going real deep with this one because we got two guys. Well, one of them's a straight up RB two. And then the other one's a part of a team that I don't think we really know what to do with in terms of their running back. We thought we knew the guy, but we can't really tell what they want to do week in and week out with it. Two players here. Treshawn Potts, running back in Minnesota. He is going up against Colorado this week. And then you have Travis Dye, running back at a USC, going up against USC. Like I mentioned, we got a clear, this is like a deeper play. You got a big starting roster, or maybe you got a bad dynasty team, especially here. And you are looking at guys and saying, alrighty, I got two not-so-great options here, but got to play one of them here. So, again, Trayshawn Potts, clear RB2, Travis Dye, a member of a committee. Where are you kind of leaning with this one, Mox? So, I thought when this question was asked that I was going to go with Dye, but I'm actually going to go with Potts. Uh, the Colorado defense is really, really awful. Like, oh my gosh, they're one of the worst teams in the uh, the country. I think Poss could have like a 102-day, even working behind Mo Ibrahim. I mean, they've been splitting carries when the game is out of hand, and he's posted 89-1, and one, and he's posted 79-2 and two against New Mexico State and Western Illinois. I don't think, like this is going to sound crazy, but I don't think the Colorado defense is that much worse than either of those units. This is a very, very bad team currently. Potts is going to get his work. He's probably going to get 10 to 15 carries, probably average six to eight yards, get a touchdown or two. I'll, I'll roll with Potts over what I don't really know is going to be the split between Travis Dye, Raleigh Brown, Austin Jones for USC. I, I'm not quite sure how that's going to work. And I, Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley in general aren't really teams that check down to running backs. Yeah. So it's going to have to be all, all be on the ground, and this is going to be a high-scoring matchup. I don't know if they're going to run that often, so I'm going with Potts, who I think can have a big week. So I, I started off with this framing, like, Potts as, like, your typical RB2, and I realized, looking at, looking at the spreadsheet so far this season, he's not your typical RB2. Why? This man, as the RB2 at Minnesota, so far this season, great, it's only been two weeks, he's the RB34 this year, currently. He has killed it both of his weeks so far. And like Chris mentioned, we're not taking a huge step up in competition here in Colorado. I think, one, I think Mo Ibrahim is your clear RB1. I think he'll get the majority of carries, or at least the plurality of carries. But they do seem to want to be splitting the touchdowns, at least, between these two guys. Because you notice, like, even if Potts is clearly the RB2, he usually has the same, if not just like one less touchdown than Mo Ibrahim has been showing this year. So I still think he's going to be a great play as long as they find the end zone at least three times this this um, game, which I bet they can. And they're really just not throwing the ball at all this season. I got to lead pots here as well. That's kind of the way I'm going with it. Yeah, Colorado currently ranks 107th in EPA per rush on defense. So if that kind of tells you the story, yep, not a good team. Not not a good rushing team whatsoever. They're going to be able to run the ball on them all day long. And by the way, 
Mo Ibrahim currently the RB5, so if you took that risk, it is really paying off for you right now. Granted, again, they've had a real cupcake schedule so far, but still. He's, he- he's healthy. He's healthy. That's, that's all you can ask for right now. Playing really well. Like, really it's a well. W for everybody who drafted him because he got drafted so late. Like, enjoy your victory laps, people. You've earned it because it was a very risky pick. It was. And it could very well pay off for you. Let's set up to the next running back question here. Corey Kiner, running back out of Cincinnati. Unfortunately, I couldn't find a picture of him at Cincinnati quite yet, so he's still in that LSU garb there. Uh, he's going up against Miami of Ohio this week. Or we could go with Israel Abanacanda, running back out of Pittsburgh, going up against Western Michigan. This comes from David Nash at David Nash Homes. By the way, uh, the Treshawn Paz versus Travis Dye, that came from our good friend Aaron Wilcox at Aaron Wilcox86. Sorry, Aaron. Forgot to give you credit there at the beginning of that one. Anyway, repeat. David Nash is asking this one. He's at David Nash Holmes. Once again, Corey Kiner or Izzy Avanacanda. Both teams going up against Mac opponents this week. Mac never been great for defense. That's why we love when they go up against each other because they'll just score a million points. I'm trying to figure out which way I want to go with this. And part of me needs to look up what Cincinnati did with the running back situation last week. Because I remember Corey Kiner had a good week last week, but I never actually stopped to look to see if he overtook that backfield completely, at least of last week. So let me look up their game against Kennesaw State. He... It was a weird game. Wow, yeah. Um, so, they, yeah. So yeah, seven carries, 39 yards, and a touchdown. So not as great of a game as I remember. But he has had the most carries in that backfield so far this season. But that's kind of why I'm leaning over to Izzy Abanacanda here, at least for right now. From what I can tell, Rodney Hammond has not come back yet for Pittsburgh. They're going to, um, and if he's truly not out, this is a defense where Izzy can eat against. And we kind of saw last week that Izzy was kind of the main guy. At least he broke off that huge run for Pittsburgh last week. I'm kind of leaning more towards Izzy here. I don't love either of these options, but again, the matchups are both good for them. But I'm going to go with the guy that, at least for now with Hammond out, is the clear RB1. I think Cincinnati is still trying to figure themselves out a little bit with that backfield. Yeah, I'm right there with you, actually. I, Western Michigan's defense does not strike any fear into me, especially on the ground. They have been um, not great thus far. They're 80th in EPA per play. Overall, they're in 75th in defensive success rate. I mean... He looked good against Tennessee, and Tennessee doesn't have a good defense either. But if Rodney Hammond isn't playing, he's going to get 20 touches and probably go for like 102. So this one also wasn't like super close for me, mostly because I just I just have faith, I guess, in this pit running game, which is the opposite of what I would have said last year. But Frank Sidney coming in there, turn five offensive linemen. I mean, it's a good unit. Yeah. I I will roll whoever I think is going to be the primary back for pit as long as there's not a murky situation i don't believe there is currently yeah like i said hammond didn't play last week and i just looked it up abandon canada had 25 rushing attempts last week so clearly as long as hammond is out he is going to tote the rock the most in this backfield as so many people wanted him to do for years i think that this is pretty as we kind of talked about it the clear choice i'm leaning towards here is going to be izzy let izzy get busy for this week Let's move on to our first of three wide receiver questions. And, of course, we have to start with the threefer. So, first, we got Caleb Ducking 
Wide receiver out of Mississippi State. Oh, before I forget, this comes from Rob Beattie at Beattie underscore 74 on Twitter. Starting over. Caleb Ducking, wide receiver out of Mississippi State, going up against LSU, playing the Z role. Gotta love that. Performed pretty well for Mississippi State these past two weeks, so gotta love that. Treshawn Holden, the apparent favorite of quarterback Bryce Young in the Alabama receiving core, performed really well week one against Utah State. Terrible, terrible week against Texas last week, along with the rest of the receiving core for Bama. He's going to get up against UL Monroe. Hopefully he has a good game against those guys. Otherwise, there's going to be serious question marks. And then last but not least, we have Miles Price, wide receiver out of Texas Tech, going up against NC State. And real quick, some extra rules for this league. It's non-PPR, but you do get a five-point bonus at when they hit 100 receiving yards. So, first of all, hate that those kind of rules. Hate those kind of rules. I would rather have PPR over a rule like that because there's nothing magical about the number 100. You should not get 50 yards worth of points just because they happen to hit 100 yards instead of 99 yards. That feels like I get cheated out of a week right there, some of those weeks. Anyway, rant over. Chris Moxley, where are you kind of leaning on this one? Um, I also hate this rule, so I'm, I'm there as well. But I kind of think it's Caleb ducking, and it's not close. Um, Trisha Holden is falling out of the rotation, which, shocker, Trisha Holden isn't that good. Um, I think Ja'Cory Brooks is basically this close to overtaking him. If he doesn't start this week, he will probably by week four. Um, that rotation that they're they're doing doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I like Brooks is going to get get more snaps and targets than Holden, and it's only a matter of time before it's like two to one or something absurd like that. Um, I'm worried about Miles Price. I'm not going to go into it as much as y'all did on your Monday episode with Nate. Uh, I thought Nate did a really good job kind of explaining his concerns as well. Price was injured a little bit in that game, so I don't want to take too, too much away. But it's clear that he's not the wide receiver one to me. Like I think we have learned that. I think we've learned that Jaron Bradley is the wide receiver one. Going yeah, forward, 13 yes, targets. until we're proven wrong. Yeah, yeah. Yes, you have to operate that way currently. Bradley had 13 targets. Price had six. Ducking at eight targets. That's pretty, If he's going to get eight targets in a Mike Leach offense, I'll take it. Yep. Uh, Loic Bungie for Texas Tech had the same number of targets as Price. He's more likely to have 100 yards than I think Price is. Like, Price is a slot guy. So you're, I just don't think you're going to get there, especially with his bonus. I think Ducky has the best chance given opportunity and the role that he plays as a Z. Um, I, I'm just not a Trisha Holden fan. I just think he's going to get squeezed out of his offense pretty soon. So I don't want to go, go that way. And also with, with, with price, North Carolina state's a really good defense, like probably the best yeah. Texas tech will play all year. So I do not want to touch that offense. unless I absolutely have to, like I will play Bradley and I will probably play Donovan Smith. But I'm not probably not playing anybody else. Yeah, I agree. This is not the week to play a wide receiver two for the Texas Tech team. And I think again, like you said, we're operating as if Miles Price is at his ceiling right now, wide receiver two for that team. Again, he's been banged up. Sound like he didn't play early in last week's game, so that might explain a little bit why they're not going to him as often because he's not 100, percent and that could change as the year goes on. But I agree with you. The risk just ain't worth worth it here. 
Treshawn Holden, again, he clearly, I think, has the matchup advantage out of all three of these guys. He's going up against the worst team. So if he is going to explode, he probably has the best chance of hitting like a really long ball. But that's never been his game either. He is very much more in the mold of John Mechie rather than a Jamison Williams or a Waddle or Devontae Smith. So I'm not really sold on him really breaking a real big one for Alabama. And... I, I'm a little bit more bullish on the idea that he could hold this job as the, as the weeks go on. Again, obviously, if he has more games like last week, then there's no way he starts in the starting lineup. But I think there's reason to believe that he earned his starting role for Bama's wide receiver room, at least in camp. Now, there's plenty of guys who do well in camp, and then once the games actually get started, they're just not as good in the actual moment. Plenty of examples of that throughout college history. But... Even still, as much as I'm trying to give in a reason to believe in Holden here, I do think ducking is by far the safest play here. I didn't want to believe in ducking at first because I just he never struck me as that clear guy who could be that guy in Mississippi State's offense. But reality's got to change my opinion at some point. I think he is a wide receiver one for Mississippi State moving forward, at least for right now, out of these options. So, yep, I'm going to move ducking here. Agree. You sounded like you wanted to say something else. No, I I didn't want to trash hold it more than I had to. I just I didn't rank him in my top 145 this week. If that gives you any indication of how I feel about starting him, Dang. I would not start an Alabama wide receiver outside of Jermaine Burton until I had clarity on that position. And I didn't rank him on purpose. He's probably one of them are going to finish the top 145, obviously. But my suggestion is don't start them. Yeah. Look you don't know. You don't just know. look elsewhere. I just don't know. I have no idea what that rotation is going to look like in terms of target share. Like, obviously, he's going to be on the field, but is he going to be out targeted by by Burton? Probably by Gibbs. Probably by Latu. Probably by Brooks. Probably. Okay, I don't want the fifth receiver in Alabama in a game where they probably don't have to throw that much. Fair enough. That's all I'm saying. I was about to say I I definitely believe a lot more in Latu or Gibbs being the second receiving option for Bama this week than I do in Holden. So that probably tells you a little bit where I think about him as well. Yeah. So, let's move on to our next wide receiver battle here. This one comes from Justin Nottingham at Justin Nodding H6 on Twitter. He's got two guys here. This one's pretty easy for me, as much as I love both of these guys. But Daywood Davis, wide receiver out of Western Kentucky, he's going up against Indiana this week. Or you got Jacob Copeland going up against SMU. I loved Jacob Copeland coming into this year. I invested more in him than I did in Rakeem Jarrett or really even Dante Divas because both of them were going a little bit too high for my liking. And I said Jacob Copeland could have a breakout game early in the season and we could see him kind of move up to a possible wide receiver one position later in the year. He's not there yet. He had one really good week against, um, God, who did Maryland play last week? Charlotte. Charlotte. So it, it, a nobody uh but again, again there's my early breakout so i believe in copeland down the season but i'm not going to start him over daywood davis a guy that was leading the uh team in targets for western kentucky so far this year i yeah this one's easy for me i'm going daywood davis even if indiana is probably the better defensive matchup than smu is for jacob copeland i'm going to take the wide receiver one for a team at least in terms of targets than I will over a guy that has the potential 
to finish as the wide receiver three or four behind Jarrett, Demas, and even Jones. That's where I'm kind of leaning with this one. Chris, where are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, I think Chase and Copeland this week is could be a disaster. He had four targets. That's it. He had three receptions, 110 yards, and two touchdowns. So it looks really good when you look at those fantasy points. But when you, you do your targets, you kind of evaluate the data a little bit further. Not as sexy. Four targets against Charlotte are not really the guy to target. Yeah. Um, and again, I again, we, we say this every week. All this advanced stats data from PFF. I wish I could track it on my own. I don't yeah. give them give them their due. Um, really great tools for this advanced target data because it's not tracked publicly anywhere else. Anyway, done with my PFF spiel. I got it my own spiel too. It's not just Jared. Don't worry. Um, yeah, he was out targeted by Jay Sean Jones actually, and Raheem Jared only had one fewer target than him. I mean, I don't want to be messing around with Copeland too much until he proves to be a consistent producer. David Davis had nine targets last time we saw him, and he was awesome week one as well, or week yeah. zero against Austin P as well. Uh, didn't play last week, but yeah, this is pretty clearly David Davis, I think, for me. Just more reliable player, I think. I agree 100%. I, I, I agree with you. If you're chasing fantasy points, Jacob Copeland is a trap. He could have another good yeah. game this week, but again, if he does, it's one of those scenarios where you're looking at it and you say, all right, he, he went off, but it was good pro- it was a good process not to play him. Because I, I think he could yeah. earn more targets than the four he got last week because he clearly showed that he has explosive ability with it. But let's wait a few more weeks. Yeah, and he didn't do really anything the week before either. Like, yeah. So let's, let's – and that was a good matchup too. I believe they played Buffalo. Yeah. So it's not like he just beat up a one team – he's just beating up a bad team. Like he had a good four targets against a, a – who I think is the bottom five defense in the country in Charlotte. Yeah. So pump the brakes, people. Just wait a little bit. To be fair to Copeland, none of the receivers really went off in the game against Buffalo. The, the entire passing game was really off in that first game. But regardless, let's move on to our final wide receiver question here. Two guys going up against each other. We have another Bama wide receiver. We have the aforementioned Jermaine Burton, wide receiver out of Alabama, going up against UL Monroe. Or we could move with Jalen McMillan going up against Michigan State this week. This comes from Rebel Football at SL Rebel Football on Twitter. I find this one kind of interesting because you would think the matchup is with Jermaine Burton at UL Monroe. But let's not forget Michigan State's secondary was one of the worst in not, not the Power Five, but in the FBS last year. Their secondary is awful. Now, they went to the transfer portal. I think they got some really, really good players, including guys like Amir Speed, to kind of help upgrade that room back there, no doubt about it. But it does kind of make it interesting here that so far, the Washington passing game does look good through their first two games. Now, they kind of slowed it down a little bit last week because I don't think they needed to chuck the ball around for two weeks straight against a dead body of a defense. But Jalen McMillan looks like the wide receiver one for Washington, especially if Adunze is going to be out again this week. Jermaine Burton, pretty decent week the week first week, um, two touchdowns. We still think that he's probably going to be the wide receiver one for Bama going forward right now. But there's definitely a lot of doubt right now after putting up, like Holden, a pretty stinker performance last week. So, Mox, where are you kind of leaning on this one? Because I'll be real, there's there's arguments for both of these guys here. 
So I am going with Jalen McMillan. And for those who have been following us throughout, you know, last two months, um, we had a Kings Classic draft. Colin Decker and I, a founder at Camp Skin, drafted our own team. And I told Colin, hey, you get one pick. This is your this is your round to make that pick. Round 14. Colin took his boy, Jalen McMillan. Yep. And he's been excellent. He's been excellent to start the season. Um, he was tracked as a top five uh, player in terms of miles per hour as a ball carrier. He's a great route runner. He fits what the system really wants to do. They've been a top five passing rate team. They've been a top five in explosiveness. I mean, this all passing offense has been excellent behind Jalen McMillan. Top 13 receiver for me this week. I have Burton in my top 20, and I only have him there because I think that he's the wide receiver one in Alabama. But I don't feel good about starting him as my 20th wide receiver. So I'm rolling with Jalen McMillan. Michael Penix and him seem to have a good connection. I can't explain it. I can't. Like, I would have ne- like, I was very low on this passing offense, even with Fresno State's Kellen DeBoer taking over. I know how explosive that offense was. I was still low on it, though. We had been so bad the last two years. Yep. Really, really impressed with what we've seen so far. And Jalen McMillan is the primary beneficiary. And so, yeah, I think he's a start till further notice. Yeah, he is currently the wide receiver 14 through two weeks. Finish Finishes with uh, week one, he is the wide receiver 23. Week two, wide receiver 31. So two really good finishes for you right there. And for those of you I kind of mentioned earlier are kind of worried that, oh, Adunze might come back this week. They only held him out as precaution last week. Week one, Adunze was out there, and McMillan had a better finish than he did in week two when he was just a lone guy out there. Again, granted, they also kind of slowed down the passing game against poor Norfolk State. But even still, regardless, I don't think another receiver being out there is going to hurt McMillan. I think I'm with you, Chris. If he is, first of all, available in any of your leagues, he needs to be on your roster immediately. But not only that, he is a pretty, I'd say, consistent starter, at least for right now. Again, I'd like to see them do it against some better defenses down the line for me to say he is an absolute start every single week. But for right now, we got no other choice. He's done well. He's done what he's supposed to do. Yep. So I say I'm leaning McMillan here. I don't want to harp on my boy Burton there. But again, I, I agree with you, Chris. It feels like McMillan's just a safer guy right now. We don't know what's going on with Alabama's receiving room right now. Yeah, and I I rank, uh, I think it's Giles Jackson. I don't think it's Giles Jackson. I believe it's Giles Jackson. The wide receiver at Washington above Romo Dunze this week. I believe they have switched, and I think you could start Jackson. I know hmm. that isn't the question, but <laughs> I think Jackson's a startable player. I think he's wide receiver two for passive offense going against a secondary that struggles. It would not surprise me if he had another big week after his big week last week. Last week. I, think I think he's just possibly jumped up doing so. Hmm. I'll definitely keep an eye on this week. So. All right, we got one more sit start question here. We're going to hit a flex option here. This comes from our good friend over on the C2C Discord and a guy with all the connections, uh, Mr. Luke Probosco at Probosco Luke on Twitter. He has, he has a flex question for us here. This is a one PPR league. We got Oscar Attaway running back out of North Texas. He is going up against UNLV this week. You got Melquan Stovall, wide receiver out of uh, Colorado State. My goodness. 
going up against Washington State. And then last but not least, we have Titus Swen, running back out of Wyoming, going up against Air Force. All three of these guys, to me, have pros and cons, and that that one PPR is throwing me off a little bit because I this probably would be Titus Swen easily for me, but he is just not a pass catcher of a running back. So like that's kind of making me question it just a little bit. But Melquan Stovall, Colorado State looked bad for a majority of last week, and they were going up against a Middle Tennessee State team that straight up was just not good the week before. Now they stink is the bottom line. They yeah. stink. They're a bad team. Colorado State looks like a bad team right now. They need they need to figure some stuff out. Clay Millen and Tory Horton did some heroics last week and probably saved some of you in your weekly lineups, in your weekly matchups, if you were playing Tory Horton, because you were probably scared to death for three quarters of that game, and then all of a sudden within twenty five minutes of real time, not game time, real time, he went from like five fantasy points to like forty. That was an that was an absolutely insane period on Saturday. Anyway, but Melquan Sovo is not Tory Horton. So if this was Tory Horton, I'd be like, hell yeah, Tory Horton all day long. But like, Sovo had a decent day. I believe he had, what was it, a little less than 10 points. So it's like, eh, not great. I don't know. I, I don't know which way to go with this one because I don't like Oscar Attaway either. I don't think North Texas has truly figured out that running back room yet. Maybe, Chris, you got some different idea on that one, but I don't know which way I would go on this one. This one's legitimately tough for me. Not that tough for me, so I okay. will take. I will take it. Um, I think Sasuke right away. Okay. I th- think the Air Force defense is one of the best in the Mountain West. I think their secondary is probably a little bit better than their um, their front seven is, but again, I still think it's pretty good. I Titus when is still hurt. Like, it's pretty obvious to me when you see him run that he's still nursing that rib, the bruised rib injury. Like he and they're subbing him out more than they would. Otherwise, I, I noticed that a lot against Tulsa, where they're just like taking him out when he he didn't really need to be taken out. Like it wasn't conditioning anything. It was like, hey, you're kind of ailing a little bit. Yeah. Um. So I just wonder kind of like how healthy he is, and then I don't like the matchup. I don't trust. I'm not playing anybody on Colorado State except Tory Horton until I see a four quarter performance from this offense or anybody else yeah. that is halfway decent. I cannot trust Melquan Stovall. He might not even be the wide receiver too. Ty McCulloch might be, and he, you know, their their targets are pretty close. So I, I'm not trusting Stovall at all. I'm going with Oscar Attaway. He's had 37 touches in the last two games. Not a pass catcher either, which is fine because the options that you're comparing against aren't really like high PPR options. Yeah. Um, and I think that they can tear the UNLV front seven up pretty good. I think that UNLV is a better team than we thought they were maybe heading into the season, but I think Adway is the at least the one A one B there mm-hmm. with AI Day, and I, I so I like Addison this week. If you're going to give me 17 touches, 18 touches, like I can work, I can work with that against the UNLV defense. That I don't think is very good. So yeah. I just don't like the other two options, honestly, more so. But I'll roll with Oscar Adaway. Yeah, you talked me into it again. Like I, I kind of look back on it and like. So the reason I had him, I, I think I switched uh, Adia and Attaway's carries from last week. I thought Attaway had the lesser carries, and I just looked, and Attaway had 17 carries last week versus Adia's 10. Although Adia had a much better day. He had 135 yards. But even so, like, 
Attaway, it looks like, is going to be the guy that gets the most carries for this North Texas team week in and week out. They're going up against the UNLV team. That is bad enough that I think they're going to be able to run on them, but they're not so bad that they're going to want to give some of their other backs more carries behind Attaway. It's going to be a close enough game that they're going to want to put their best players out there, and I think Attaway will be one of those guys. So Yeah, and it, this game is actually a three-point spread, too, so it should oh, never nice. be out of hand. Um, for either team, meaning that North Texas should run if they want to run. Um, they are dogs in this game, though, is one thing to think about. Mm. But, you know, I'm not that worried if the spread's going to be three. Then yeah. I think they could stick to their game plan. I agree 100%. If, they, if it's never without, never out of a touchdown, I don't think it'll, I think they'll be fine, unless Ricky White just blows up for two touchdowns and 100-something yards in the first quarter. So, Shoot, he might. He might. So... That brings us to the end of the sit start, guys. You guys did an awesome job this week. Really appreciate you guys trying to keep it down to just two to three players for each one of these. Uh, makes it really easy on me. Makes it easy on us deciding which questions to address on this podcast. And you guys gave us a really good ones this week. So really look forward to doing this more and more for you guys as the season rolls along. With that being said, let's hit up our final segment here. We're going to discuss some of the most fantasy CFF relevant games of the week here. We're going to talk about five. Again, the goal here is to try to hit games that have a 60 plus point spread. So both teams kind of or roughly both teams are going to hit like 24 plus points in this game. And or and at least one of them is going to hit 30 plus. And then I also try to keep the spread within two touchdowns. I don't want to be talking about games where one team's going to absolutely blow out the other, and we don't know if that other team's going to score enough here. So let's talk about the first one up here. I did not expect this spread to be this close. I guess people are kind of buying into the underdog here a little bit after two, you know, better performances than they usually do against Cupcake competition. But we got Kansas at Houston. Houston, a 10-point favorite. This is the 4 p.m. game on ESPNU. The spread here is 62-and-a-half. You got your typical studs you're going to want to start in this game. Nathaniel Dell, he'll be out there. Uh, Clayton Toon, probably a good matchup. We talked about him earlier. Um, again, the we talked about Brett Pawnees. Uh He had two other guys that were pretty pretty good matchups as well, so we kind of dismissed Clayton Toon. But Clayton Toon's not a bad option this week, I would say, going up against a Jayhawks defense. But other than that, I think Devin Neal... A relatively decent starter probably in this game but i'm not sold that he can run completely on this houston defense but apparently vegas thinks that they or that they'll be able to score in this game pretty well i don't know i don't buy this 10 point spread whatsoever chris but it's there so we're here talking about it who do you who do you like on the kansas side if this game really is that close <laughs> nobody like i'll be honest <laughs> I, I don't want to start anyone from Kansas. I think your best shot is starting Jalen Daniels, the quarterback. Um, if you're in a pinch, I think he's the one you roll out. I'm not starting Devin Neal against his front seven either. Again, this, it's a really this, good front seven. This feels weird. Like It feels that weird that this is only 10-point spread. They're, so it's weird that it's 10 points with about with how many points are being scored. Yeah. That's the thing that I, I question. Um, you know, I think Houston is a very good defense. And I think that they're going to be able to be pretty good on offense. I think Kansas's best shot is to throw the ball. So I, I think you could start with Jalen Daniels, but I'm not like super excited to do so. 
This is not a betting podcast, but I just did the quick calculation. There's an implied team total here of 26 for Kansas. I, I don't see how in the world they go up against this decent of a, or this good of a Houston defense that held Texas Tech in check last week to, what was it, 30 points in regulation, if I remember correctly? Or is it less than that? Uh, yeah, 30. It was 30. So this, so here here we go. This spread has actually fallen today okay. a bunch. Really? Or not the spread. The uh, the total has gone from 62.5 to 57. Oh, my God. So that's a little, talking about that's a little more like it. Now now I'm understanding because their implied deep total is now 23.5. So okay. I so so okay now see Vegas Vegas said it to you. we talked them down. Gotcha. They they heard us from the future talking about this and they're like, yeah, those those two guys from the future on that uh that podcast out there on YouTube, they kinda have a point. So Yeah, that num that number I was trying to rationalize in my head. I was like, Man, that's really high. How how is it still that? So that makes a little more sense. Um, yeah. I'm not still not starting anybody from Kansas if they're implied t- team total is under 24. I agree. Jalen Daniels if you're in a pinch. J- and Luke on- Grimm. Luke Grimm if you're really, 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 really desperate. Yes. But you have to be really desperate to start the Kansas wide receiver in this game. Now let's talk about the Houston side of this. Uh, again, talked about Nathaniel Odell, talked about Clayton Toon. Brandon Campbell, interesting guy kind of popping up here in the last two weeks. Do we think he kind of takes, oh, like, does what Walter McCaskill did? last year and become a CFF relevant running back for Houston. I know Houston running backs have never really been somebody we want to have up until McCaskill last year, but Brandon Campbell seems to be doing his best impression. So somebody we want to look out for here. Yeah, he's been pretty good. Um, I don't, the problem is I don't know what to expect from this Kansas defense right now. Like they just let West Virginia score what, like 42 points on them. Yeah. So it wasn't like they were lights out defense, but I think their defense is honestly not that bad. Um, there's a big discrepancy between how many explosive plays they're allowing. So they've, they're allowing a lot of explosiveness. Gotcha. A concern, especially against the defense offense that I think could be explosive. But I mean, they're only allowing a 29% success rate, which means on a, on a play to play down to down basis, like they're doing all right. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, honestly, what to think of Brandon Campbell this week. I think you can start him, um, but I don't have him ranked in my top 30, top 36. Like, he's not – I don't even think he's in my top 50. Like, that's that's the confidence level I have because I just don't know what to expect currently. Yeah, and if they're allowing explosive plays, you would think that you would then want to move over to the wide receiver side. Obviously, Nathaniel Dell, we mentioned him already, but Matthew Golden, a little bit here, maybe no. another – Oh no! No, don't fall. Don't get trapped into the Matthew Golden. Well, the, the, his hype is is way ahead of his actual production so far, or opportunity share this far. Like, the, like he caught the touchdown last week. Awesome, we love him over at Campus Canton. Huge fans across the board from a C two C two CFF perspective. Really big, big fans of the player. This is not the week to start him in mind. Okay. I don't think you have to roll him out. I think you just roll with Nathaniel Dell. You roll with Clayton Toon, Brandon Campbell if you're in a pinch, and the production I think comes from somewhere else. Probably, I think Houston will be fine, but I'm I don't have a lot of confidence. Is the bottom line. I'm just saying, if you're looking for explosive guys, he does lead the team in average yeah. yards per catch. Anyway, I'll roll with Mox. Mox is making the better points here. I'm being emotional. Um, he, he, Y'all he, just love your, your Matthew Golden, man. You he's the Golden Boy. Golden. He is the Golden Boy. 
All right, let's move on to the next team. Let's get away from the Golden Boy. Arkansas State at Memphis. Memphis is a 14-point favorite here. This is a 7 p.m. game on ESPN Plus, over under a 63.5. Mox, I, looked, I, I took a sneak peek at our tailgate show later this week, and I know for a fact you're high on one of these quarterbacks for this game. So let's go ahead and talk about Mr. Blackman. Yeah, I think you can start a lot of options in this game. Um, and I think Arkansas State quarterback James Blackman is one of them. Uh, this offense averaged 40-plus pass attempts in 2021. They're probably going to do it again this year. Tavalence Hunt comes back this week. He's been injured. Game-time decision. This is a game-time decision. Okay. It is a game-time decision. It's, it sounds like reading the tea leaves that he will be back. So if he's not back, maybe I adjust my attitude a little bit. But he's still, still going to throw like 40 yeah. times. Um, I don't think this Memphis defense is all that good. I think that they're okay. Um, I think the offense is much better. So I like James Blackman this week. I think you can absolutely start him. He's in my top 20. Like, I think that's pretty bold. And I, yeah, but I, pretty I bold. really like, yeah, I really like what he's done thus far. And I think that Champ Fleming's his wide receiver. I think he's going to eat. Like, this dude is 145 pounds, lining up in the slot, just toasting corners, man. It's so yeah. fun to see. Um, so I like Champ. I like him a lot as well. Uh, if Hunt plays, I think you can play him too. A little bit risky with coming off of an injury. But the Arkansas State side of this ball, I think, has a couple starters. And even though they're 14-point dogs, I mean, this, this total is pretty high. Yeah. So I think you can target it. Yeah, I think those are good calls. Let's talk about the Memphis side of things. If we think this is going to be a shootout, Seth Hennigan seems like an, a pretty, I don't want to say obvious starter here, but he seems like the guy that we would want then. Uh, running yeah, back absolutely. absolutely. I, think you, I think you start him this week. Yeah. And then running back-wise, Brandon Campbell is first in the teams in attempts, but third on the team in total yards. So he, clearly they want him to be the main guy, but he has really not impressed super far, averaging 3.6 yards per carry right now. That's definitely a little bit concerning. Has not caught a ball yet, so it's not even like he's doing work in the receiving game. It's a little cause for concern for me there, especially if this becomes a shootout. I think it's early for them to move away from the running game. And I would not start Brandon Thomas in this game, regardless of how high that total is. If you start him, you're just yeah. hoping they get down near the goal line and they hand it off to him and he runs it in for a touchdown. That's what you're hoping. Yeah, for. I, I'm i staying away from this Memphis rotation right now. I think Asa Martin leads team in, in yards. He does. Um, yeah, and I mean, Javon Ducker is involved too. Who's He's been inefficient as well. Yeah. Like that's, a, that's a quality trio. I Brandon Thomas is the one, but I mean, not a good one. Yeah. At least currently. Exactly. He's still recovering from injury, I maintain, though. Yeah, yeah. Like, he had a mystery injury last year. I don't know what it was, so I'm not writing him off in totality. But you you can't start him right now, no. even in this good matchup. Yeah. And so, again, running backs are off of this wide receiver core. Where do we go with this? Now, Ivory was kind of the favorite coming into the year, but Rodgers, Lewis, and Ivory are all relatively even within each other. Rodgers leads in yardage, and Lewis and Ivory are tied in reception so far. I don't have the target numbers in front of me, so Chris, if you can look that up real quick, that'd be appreciated, but I understand if you can't look it up real quick. I don't, my problem is here, I know one of these guys, at least one of them, is going to go off in this game. There's going to be a, probably a top 20 CFF wide receiver in this core right here. I just don't know which one I trust out of this bunch 
right now. So Moxley, do you have the targets yet? Uh, I don't, but I'm pulling it up. But I can tell you who I trust the most because I've already trust done the most data without it in front of me. Uh, Gabriel Rogers. He is the player that I rank the highest, but I don't have a lot of confidence in it. If that makes anyone feel better, which I'm sure it doesn't. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, He's my wide receiver 90. I have Javon Ivory also ranked at wide receiver 101. Um, I don't rank past 145, but I would be darn close if if I did. Um, I just... The ball's just being spread around so much that I don't really want to target a receiver to like and plant my flag on him more than anything. I, I will play Rodgers and I think I will play Ivory just because the spread's so high. Yeah. Um the interesting thing with Eddie Lewis though is that Eddie Lewis leads the team, he's just been really inefficient. Yeah. He has 14 targets on the year. Yeah. Uh and he has 14 targets on the year. And Javon Ivory has 12, but like Rogers has been the most explosive player. So it doesn't matter if he's getting, not getting like 14 targets, if he's getting the more valuable touches and role. So it's just a hard, it's, I've just had a tough time like deciphering, deciphering exactly what this um, wide receiver room looks like. Um, so here's, here's who I will play though. I will play tight end Caden pre That's what I was about to ask you about next. I will play him because he has been involved and he, they really liked him coming into the year as well. So hype's there involvement's there he's the guy that i will target this and, is there we've seen we've seen what sean dykes has done yeah no absolutely yeah sean dykes is awesome last year they like using the tight end um i will probably move eddie lewis into my 145 after this episode um okay. talk yourself into somewhere it. so i think you can start all three technically if you really want to get freaky especially that they're gonna score a bunch eddie like to me, I would be more interested in these guys. Like, again, I don't do a ton of DFS, but like thinking about it, like these guys feel like some guys that I would throw into all my lineups. Is like I would have them on my like four or five percent of my roster. Just kind of throw them in there and be like, alrighty, if one of these guys go off, it'll help out some of my rosters real easily. So again, I'm I'm not sold on any of those wide receivers, and I don't think. At least in the leagues I play, I'm not deep enough to where I feel like I am. I have the need to start one of these guys. So I'm backing off. If I have Seth Hennigan, though, I will start him. Agree. Next game up. Let's talk about, in my opinion, is it the highest over-under of this slate? But to me, I think this will be probably the highest scoring game of the weekend. SMU at Maryland. Maryland, a three and a half point favorite. This is a 7 p.m. game on Fox Sports 1. And the over-under on this game is 69 and a half. So we almost had our first 70-pointer of the season right here. But I really think this this one to me, we have a higher over-under here in a second, but I think this is the one that ends up being the highest scoring game. I cannot wait for this game. This one seems like it's going to be a ton of fun on Saturday night. I think you start the quarterbacks and you start your, I mean, obviously Rasheed Rice for SMU. And then for Maryland, probably going to roll with either Rakeem Jarrett or like, I don't know. I think there's a lot of startable options here. And then, oh, good Lord, I'm losing my train of thought. It's been a long day, y'all. I like 
the quarterbacks, and I like both passing games in this game. It's just, for Maryland, I'm not entirely sure which way I'm going to go with it. But I think you're going to... It's, it's kind of like with Memphis, where like I believe there is a CFF top 20 wide receiver for you on the Maryland roster somewhere in this game. I'm just not sure which way I'm going to go with it. I agree, which makes pretty much none of them startable. Exactly. There's That's four guys I think can do it. Yep. And I don't want to I don't want to take a zero there when I think there's the same upside elsewhere and a much higher floor. Um yeah, we talked about the Maryland side a little bit earlier. There's no running back that I feel confident in. Littleton was kind of the guy last week. Hemby was the guy week one. Yep. Um, and I just don't think this is a game where they're going to be running all that much to begin with. Yep. Start the quarterbacks. Um, I don't know if I want to start an SMU running back either. Like, none of them are probably going to have more than 15 carries at, mo- at most, too. Like, that yep. is an at most prediction. Just staying away. Trey Siggers would be the guy. And that's if I'm in just a desperate situation. Yeah. I think he can get you like 10 to 12 points. If he even plays this week. Yes, if he even plays this week. Um, Kamar Wheaton is is dust right now. Like you can't start yeah. him in any capacity, depending on you know where you drafted him. It, it's a bummer. But receivers, I think you can obviously start Rashid Rice. He is a top four option for me this week. Maryland is they're not a good defense. I'm not worried about I'm not worried about the matchup, even if it's a P5 versus G5 uh, type of game. I think you can start Curly as well. He had over 100 yards. I think he's going to be pretty involved. Um, this rotation's been so weird, though. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think Jake Bailey played last week, and if he did, he didn't have a single target. No, I, I don't think. I think Bo- he was out last week. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, Bo Kraus is still out as well. So the rotation behind Rice is a little bit worrisome. But I think Curley has kind of cemented himself because he was the wide receiver four heading into the season. And it's kind of – it seems like he's taken a big piece of this offense. Yep. So if I expect this game to be high scoring, I think you can look to Curley as like a flex option. But Rice, I mean, you really could have a, 200 yards and two touchdowns. He's, he could have a monster game. Yeah, Rice is currently the wide receiver six this year. And he – is one of two wide receivers so far that in both weeks have performed a top 12 performance. If you can, if you're listening to this and you can DM me the, or at me, I don't really care which one, uh, who the other wide receiver is that is given two top 12 performances. I will give you a mighty pat on the head and say, good job. Uh, and I'll probably give you a shout out on Twitter, but even so, Rasheed Rice, I agree 100% on that. The only other options that really can, that I agree with you 100% about the running backs as well. I don't really want either one of these running back rooms for this game. I think this game's going to be too fast-paced. They're going to be forced to score on each other. My deal is, what about the tight ends? SMU has used a tight end in the past. I don't love any of their options right now. They've been spread around all of it. The only thing, that, Corey Dykes is interesting to me for Maryland. And mostly interesting to me, if you are on a team with Talia Tagovailoa as your starting quarterback, which I think he is startable 100% this week. I've, I've said that before. Corey Dykes is a fun grab off the waiver wire. And if you don't have a better tight end option, plug him into your lineup just for the stack that week. Because there's a possibility 
Talia could throw it his way, and then you get a two-for-one for the touchdown. I think that's a fun little one-week stack right here. What do you think about that, Chris? Yeah, I think you could I think you could start him. Tight end is a, a disaster anyway, so I mean, I'm not going to argue with a guy who I think is going to be on the field. And he's more he's really a receiver. He's not really yeah, exactly. for being like totally honest. So he's going to run some routes that are way more um, amenable to fantasy points than maybe your traditional tight end would. So definitely a guy that I think you can roll out. I don't know if I ranked him this week. I only ranked 35, but I don't think he made it. But he's he was one of the first guys that I, I caught out of that top 35. So there is a path to playing him, especially if you punted tight end. Yeah, I 100% agree. Like, Of course I agree. I, I brought up the idea. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm getting so tired all of a sudden. I don't know what's wrong with my brain <laughs> here for a second. So please forgive me if I feel like I'm rambling here a little bit. <laughs> Not one of my better podcasts. My apologies, y'all. Uh, with that being said, let's move on to the next game here. Battle of two Texas schools we don't really get to see play all that often. We got UTSA at... Texas, Texas, the only 11-point favorite. This is an 8 p.m. game on the Longhorn Network, and the over-under in this game, 61.5. Are we even talking about this game, Mox, if Quinn Ewers is still playing? Like, is the spread too much greater if Quinn Ewers is playing? Or is this, all, is this always going to be a decent game where both teams are going to score quite a bit? Um... Yeah, I think both teams are probably always going to score. You know, I don't think... I think Ewers would have changed the spread, but it also probably would have impacted the total. Uh, Texas probably would have had... been getting more points. Probably. Um, so, cut to the chase. Who do I think we should play here? Yes. Brendan Brady, I think you can play here against this Texas okay. front seven. Um, I think he's separated himself as the RB1 for the Roadrunners. That pretty valuable role. Um, they struggled against the rush against Alabama. Uh, you know, Alabama did a pretty good job uh, running the ball on them when they when they did. Um, I think you can play Frank Harris and definitely Zakari Franklin. Yes. Um, I think you, you can lock those two in. I go back and forth which wide receiver I also want to start. I think that DeCorian Clark is the two if I had to, like, pick one but i'm not super excited to start him i do think that he could be productive this week so that's kind of the route that i'm going i think there are three for sure starts with potentially four if you're really desperate five and that's uh joshua cephas who's the third wide receiver there and it's a clear three like it's like it's pretty much only them yeah i'm looking at the performances from the wide receivers so far zakari franklin um, performed well and we or did not perform as well in week one. He finished wide receiver 81, but finishes with top 10 wide receiver last week. He's currently the wide receiver 13. DeCorey and Clark currently the wide receiver 19 with finishes of wide receiver 31 and 41 so far. And then, believe it or not, Joshua Cephas, wide receiver 32 right now. And he had two finishes of 45 and 62. So, Texas's defense, I, I do think, un, unlike what we saw last week, I do think they can be thrown upon. Now, do I expect all three of these guys to finish top 60 wide receivers this week? No, probably not. I'm with Chris Moxley. Franklin's the guy. DeClorian Clark, probably the guy I go with after that. But I do like Cephas as well. I do. He was a wide receiver too last year for them. So it wouldn't surprise me if he kind of overtakes that role again this year. 
But regardless, I think if you want to take a shot, either one of those two guys are fine. On Texas side of things, Bijan, duh. Like, are we going to even talk about that? Um, assuming he plays. Assuming he plays. He, he is banged he up. Does, he, does have a, he does have a shoulder injury. He's getting an MRI. That makes me a little scared for the severity of the injury. But well, let's, talk, let's talk about afterwards then. Who's the running back you play if Bijan doesn't play? Is it Roshan? Gotta that's be, who I, right? I say, that's, who I, that's who I would kind of roll with. Yeah. Jaden Blue hasn't had I enough mean, hype this year for me to think that he would be the next guy up. Yeah, no, I, I would I would roll with Roshan. I mean, he was great filling in last year for Bijan when Bijan was hurt too. I mean, you got the proven guy in the system who's done, um, you know, a bunch of good work for them. I think they, I think they trust him. And Jatavian Slanders, Slanders, sorry, excuse me, Freudian slip right there. Uh, Jatavian Sanders, I would say is startable this week as a tight end option. I gave him a lot of slander last week because I said uh, against Alabama, I don't think he's going to hit. Again, prize picks put him out there at 14 fantasy points. was absolutely nuts in my opinion. This is another kind of week where if you have him, this is the startable week for him. I do think he is going to be in and out of your starting lineups for tight end down the line i think he will be one of the top at least 20 tight ends by the end of the year i think he is really really good i think texas has a really good weapon there especially with xavier worthy really being the only weapon at receiver they got left i mean whittington's fine but sanders has stepped up in a big way i would start him pretty with confidence this week my tight end six on the week hey attaboy my melding here must must start unless you got one of the big names ahead of him i mean you... i mean hell even the big names aren't looking great i mean zach coons good god 3.2 fantasy points through two weeks. oh he's ranked above zach coons i'll tell you that this week. Say... <laughs> this week. So, i'm curious who who do you got ranked ahead of him uh mayor mayor trig uh sam laporta going against iowa was super involved so far this season uh bowers not ready to give up on the uh explosive play option Joel Wilson going against Bucknell. Good call. Edutain Sanders. So he's sixth. I think that's fair. Uh, Gavin Bartholomew is right after him. And then I think there's a pretty steep drop off. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Fair enough. I'll give you, I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Definitely higher than Zach Coons. Definitely higher than Zach Coons. That, that, that's going to haunt me so badly throughout this entire offseason. Zach Coons just. Not we might, we well. might be sending Zach Coons to the shadow realm soon. Uh, he might be. Again, tight end options, you got to be willing to cut them if they're not performing early. It sucks if you pay so he, a fourth so round pick not for to, Not to, you know, go on a tangent here. How close are you cutting to cutting Zach Kent? I am one sub, like, I want to see at least, at least four receptions from him this next week. I want to see. see I'll, I'll hold on to him for two more. I, I, I am I am very close to cutting Zach Coons because again tight end is a very volatile position already. I drafted Coons with the idea that he was going to be a consistent guy for me week after week. That's part of the reason why I valued him so highly. I am very disappointed with what I've seen so far. And he really looks like with these teams double teaming him, which is what Justice has been telling me the teams have been doing, he can't overcome it. And if he can't overcome it, He's completely taken out of the game, and I don't want a tight end that's completely taken out of the game who can't overcome that even just a little bit. So I'm going to say sayonara to Zach Kuntz here relatively soon, even though I paid a premium for him, at least in terms of tight end currency. It sucks, but I got to do it. I got to free up the roster space. Yeah, 
no, I, I guess I don't blame you, but I would still, I'll just keep him on my bench for way too long and then he'll just deteriorate and I'll be like, why didn't I drop him earlier? Wasted a bench space. I just think that you got a guy who had a hundred plus targets last year. You just told him, but sorry, not to totally distract. I do think it's an interesting conversation. No, it is. About it, it what is. You're doing with him. We discussed him on Nick's, uh, Nick's freak out scale earlier this week. Like we, we, oh, like Nate's freaked out too. Oh, I'm freaked out. Again, I'm freaked out. Like I'm like, I think it's fair for us to, again, I haven't cut him yet. One more week, one more really, really bad week, and it is pretty. It, it will be pretty easy for me to cut him, and I'll just move on to whatever hot fad tight end comes out of next week. Anyway, we got one more game to talk about here. Let's talk about it. This is the highest over-under of the weekend. Fresno State at USC. USC a 12-point favorite. This is a 10-30 game on Fox. Over-under, 71 and a half. Chris Moxley, is that over-under warranted? A lot of games um, I felt like they could have hit 70, and it kind of feels like it's a little weird that this one's the first one they allowed to go over 70. So I think it opened. I, I don't have uh, any books in front of me, but I think it opened at like 68, and it went up a little bit. So obviously the public thinks that it was too low. Mm. I understand it, though. Like, Francis State still has an explosive offense. They lost Kalen DeBoer, but Jeff Tedford is was not the like a huge step back. He was the one no. who hired hired Kalen DeBoer in the first place. They they just promoted the quarterback coach, I believe. Like they kept it all within within house, basically. Yeah. Um. So I think this offense is going to be good. USC's defense is not very good. Nope. We have yet to see them um, prove that our preseason assumption is wrong that this is a pretty bad unit. Uh, and I think USC is going to score a bunch of points. I don't think Fresno's defense is all that great. They lost a couple pieces uh, in the in, out of 2021. So, yeah, I mean, I think you could easily just 71 and a half is a lot. I did not touch this game total, <laughs> and I didn't touch the line either. I just don't trust. Like, I hate playing a 70s. Like, it just freaks me out a little, a little bit. If anything, I would play the under, but I'm not going there currently because I think it's going to be 40 to 45 game. But all that said, <laughs> all that said, I think you could start basically everybody you think that you can start in this game. Yeah. Outside of the USC running back room. Yeah. That's that, it. Like, I literally like, was, that's, that was my thought process as well. Right? I'm like, I'm like, yeah, even Cropper, like I haven't, I've been super impressed with him. Start, but like, yeah, I, start I, Cropper. I, I'd say start Cropper. If you have him, Romeggio, I'd start. Hayner, I'd start. Williams, hell yeah, you're starting him in this matchup. Yeah. Uh, Addison, Mario Williams, you're starting all those guys. Um, yeah, again, the only the, question that go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say the only question that I have is, um, what are your expect what expectations should be for Nico Miggio moving forward? Because he led I mean, in targets week really one. Big week. I was say he yeah. led in targets week one. Cropper led in targets the second week, but I think at worst he is a one B to Cropper's one A. I think he has the potential to become a clear number one wide receiver for them. We saw that in week one, especially if Cropper, really, Cropper just, yeah, he got all the targets, but he does not do a lot with them. Remigio is the big play guy right now. I would honestly start Remigio with confidence over Cropper right now. And I'd say... So he, I have... Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, I have Remigio ranked 33rd, and I have Cropper ranked 54th this week. So... Both are startable for sure. Yes. I just, I think I have more confidence in Remigio moving 
forward. I would agree. That's kind of where, where I'm at, at. as well. I, I did not see it coming. I wish I had, because that would have been an absolute steal in every draft that I was in, because he was not getting drafted anywhere. Yeah. But that's part of the beauty of CFF. People pop out of nowhere all the time. So, again, like, I'm trying to think of anybody else I wouldn't start. I could see some people being concerned about Jordan Mims getting game scripted out of this game, but we've seen him over and over again be used as as a pass-catching running back, and also USC's defense Especially the rush defense, not great. He could break a long one in this game very easily. I'm still starting Jordan Mims with confidence in this game. You gotta. You, you absolutely have to. Do not do not even think twice about it. He's, yeah. a, he's a must-start for me moving forward. You have to be starting him. Yeah, and he was one of two running backs so far this year. Or no, actually, he's the only running back this year that has had a top 10 performance in both weeks. So again, he's earned it. I have RB11 this week, so he could he could make it three. He could make it three, and oh no, he might bust he might bust out of the top ten and still finish with a top fifteen performance because of that power five defense. I don't know. He's the he's the focal point of the offense currently. Just roll yes. with him. Like don't even don't overthink it. Don't try to get cute. Keep rolling out the guy who has been insanely productive against a bad defense. No reason to overthink it because of the USC name. Yep, I agree one hundred percent. Alrighty, I think that finishes up the day right there, and let's land this plane. Chris Moxa, you've been absolutely awesome joining us here today. It's a pleasure talking to you about these sit starts every single week, and I love debating against you with some of them. Pretty, pretty mind melded this week in terms of which way we're going, uh, except for that last one where my mind just melted, and I again by the end of it I realized I'm like, yeah, why, why am I not starting out of way over these two other guys? Anyway, you've been awesome, man. Uh, you want to let anybody else out there know about what's going on at Campus of Canton in terms of what you're working on or just stuff that you want to tease, anything like that? Um, yeah, no, I'll add that every Saturday, 8 to 10, we're on the Better Sports Network. If you haven't heard about it, download. You can listen live. It's free. Awesome, awesome opportunity to get college football content, NFL content, betting content, all sorts of sports of sports content throughout the week, throughout the year. Really awesome opportunity that we have from 8 to 10 Eastern time on Saturday. We also go live right after that at 1030 for the tailgate. Both of us are, are part of that. And, you know, a handful of other, a handful of others at C2C. Really fun show talking about the games and talking about who we like and dislike. Um, overall, just check out our weekly content too. I mean, we're providing so much stuff on a daily basis to, guide you from a Debbie perspective to for CFF perspective, C2C perspective. And I mean, we've Ethan, Ethan Powers and Chris K have done an awesome job along with Brandon Sanders and just killing the bet on C2C stuff. We have an insane amount of content. Got to come check us out uh, at the website and make sure you listen in to, you know, all the live shows we're doing as well. Yeah, absolutely. Again, we got awesome stuff going on all over the website, the podcast feed, the and like Chris mentioned just now, we got our own radio show now on the Better Sports Network. So they're absolutely killing it over there with Austin and Felix. Absolutely check that out on Saturday mornings. And uh, don't forget the two uh, Saturday shows that are on the Campus to Kent YouTube page, the Tailgate Show. Chris and I are on that in, in the mornings, uh, along with Austin Nace, Matt Bruning, and Colin Decker. We talk about the games before they get started. And then later that night, 
Felix Sharp does an amazing job with the College Fantasy Tonight show. That is a late-night Sports Center show. Recaps today's event. Great way to end the day in terms of having whatever Pac-12 or Mountain West game is on to your right, and then you open your little laptop, and you are just listening to your favorite CFF, C2C, and Debbie uh, personalities talk about what they saw during the day. Again, great content every day of the week. Absolutely go check all that out. And yeah, guys, it's week three already. We're After this weekend, we will be one quarter of the way through the college season already. And that feels absolutely insane to say that, but that that's where we are. And we'll, again, after this week, I think is, like I said earlier in the show, we're going to have better ideas of patterns starting to emerge with teams. Who's allowing more rushing yards? Who is stuffing the run a bit better? Who is just Swiss cheese in the secondary? And who is a no-fly zone? We're going to start figuring that stuff out, and that's definitely going to make a lot of this very fun moving forward. So really appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll see you guys next week for Waiver Wires. Until then, have a wonderful weekend, and have a blessed day.